in oh. 79 episodes time, you can pretend that you're Russ Bray. What? <laughs> I don't know if that helps now, but... I don't know what that means. What, I don't know what you just said. I said in 79 episodes time, you can pretend you're Russ Bray to open the Those were we definitely heard, words. We heard you. We didn't like understand the, you. Dude that does the darts. I don't know who the 180. Fuck. Is that his name? Why do you know his name? That's weird, man. Why don't you know his name? Ooh. He's a legend. Is he? Yeah, you should listen to him on a you should listen to this podcast he was on. He sounds exactly like he does when he yells and it's so hard to listen to. He's definitely got lung cancer or something. Or man just fucking cancer. says numbers and you think he's a legend. He's smart as fuck. You should be in jail if you know his name. That's fucked. All right. <laughs> Welcome to the Night Shift Football Podcast, episode 101. Don't mind us rambling about the guy who does the darts. Cooper knows his name for some reason. Uh, plenty to go on with. Cooper and Tommy both here. How you doing, dudes? Say hello. I was doing Good. all right, but now I'm a bit I'm a bit down now. Confidence well, I'm perplexed. Been... <laughs> it's been brought down a notch. All right, we're gonna, um, we've got a few Premier League things we're going to go through, but I think we're going to start with some other stuff this week. Um I don't know if anyone saw this online. Partick Thistle played Rangers in a cup this morning, Tommy. And uh, there was an in- an incident with the Thistle defender was going to give the ball back. Um, but Malik Tillman, who the young German on loan from Bayern Munich for Rangers, went, stole the ball off him and scored. And then the Rangers coach let, um, let Thistle equalise. We've seen this before. I know. It seems like a really shitty sequel. I don't, it's it with like terrible accents and it didn't really have the drama of the initial incident or four out of 10 for mine. Four, just four out of 10. Yeah. The whole incident, I just wasn't about it. Cause okay. I think what's his name? Tillman. He's got genuine excuse for not realizing that the ball was kicked out by a Rangers player. Cause he was down. He wasn't looking. He was the one that was initially fouled. So does he, is he, is he not aware I, that I, feel, I think he, I think he knew what was going on. But yeah. if that's so, then what what's wrong with him? What a psychopath! <laughs> yeah, it is. It is bizarre. I'm unsure why he's. Uh, I don't know. He hasn't read the room very well. And then there were boos from the Rangers fans when they let them score. It did. It obviously brought everyone back to that famous Villa Leeds one. Yeah, but it just it it kind of it lacked the animosity. I feel there was not enough cheap shots. There was no Bamford going down, getting players sent off for no reason, and then. The way that he kind of danced around the keeper to like equal it back up, and, and there was no Pontus Janssen trying to side him down. Yeah. I don't know. It, it felt like a cheap imitation. Yeah, fair. Rangers did go on to win the game anyway, three two. So them and Celtic move on. Celtic beat uh, Saint. Saint it was like to say that it was like three days ago, and so therefore I can't remember if I haven't written it down. That's the way my brain works right now. Um, we're gonna do man, some. Sammy. We're gonna have a look at some Bundesliga because. Tommy, you mentioned last week we haven't touched on it for a while, and it's true we haven't. Um, it is out there. I don't know if people watch it, but they should because this is an exciting league. It is. I've got a crash course to a long-awaited title race in the Bundesliga if you want. A crash course in what, sorry? A crash course to a long-awaited title race. It is. What have we complained about since the duration of this pod, I think? Is that yeah. Bundesliga is usually wrapped up by this time of year, and now you've got potentially five teams that could be duking it out. Yeah, I think I might counter it a little bit. I think the last few years, I think often the title race is kind of there. There's someone like Dortmund or someone who lingers around long enough, but it always has this feeling that Bayern are going to skip away and win. And 
that feeling did go away for a bit. Um, Bayern hit a small speed bump coming back from the World Cup. They had three draws in a row, and then they found some form in a 4-0 win away to Mainz in the DFB Pokal, the German Cup. Uh, they've since defeated Wolfsburg and then Bochum over the weekend, and they've they've needed to because the title race is on again. Union Berlin, your boys are just a point behind, and Dortmund are only three points behind. Yeah, definitely. I mean, you can't have a title race in Germany without Bayern Munich, of course, sitting on top, 43 points at the moment. Uh, best player, according to FOTMOB, which I think is the uh, the absolute source of player rankings in the world, Josh Kimmich, 7.93. Top scorer, Jamal Musiala, he's got 10 goals. They are exactly where they should be. But like you said, with Union only a point behind and Dortmund, uh, I think just a further point behind them as well. It's on. It's on for all money. Yeah, there's um I don't know how much of it you get to see Cooper of the Bundesliga, but um I don't know if either of you know Julian Nagelsmann, the guy in charge of Bayern at the moment. He he became popular after his uh he had a really good run as manager of Hoffenheim, where he got them into like uh Champions League, Europa League kind of spots. Um and they were really I don't think they ever qualified for Champions League, but there was it was similar to the Atalanta thing in Syria where they're a really overachieving kind of club that they don't have anywhere near the same financial backing as some of the others, but they were just performing real, really well under him. Um, he then went to Leipzig and had a, a good run with them and now is, at, now is at Bayern, and he's still only 35 years of age. Yeah, I don't get to see too much of the Bundesliga. It's not too much I watch. I'm aware of Nagelsmann. He had good success at Leipzig. That's probably where I picked up knowing about him. But yeah, it just feels like, I don't know, just even looking at it, it just feels like another one of those... Bayern are still leading said title race and when they know what's going on with their European side of things, surely they just put their foot down again and run away with it. I hope not. I hope not because, um, I don't know, we we want the tight title race. It's obviously good when Dortmund are up and about there with their massive crowds and Union Berlin, I know, Tommy, you've got a bit of a soft spot for these guys. They're great because they encompass that uh, footballing story that you want, you know, one with a rich history that go away for a certain period of time and then fight their way back in the top division. You know, they do it with a side that doesn't have a recognisable name. You know, you scroll through the team sheet and you see there's a Kidira in there, but it's not the Kidira you're thinking of. Yeah. And, you know, they're, they've they got a centre-back that's outperforming out of his skin at the moment, four goals. They're, just, they're one of those set-piece teams that are defensively very sound, but then they score some cracking goals as well. I don't know if you saw, they played uh, one of the Red Bull franchise teams on the weekend away from home, managed to beat them 2-1, which is yeah. massive for their title aspirations. But the the goals in the game were just outstanding. Absolute thunder cunts. Thunder, wow. Thunder sea bombs. That's exactly what they were. You can't describe it any other way. Fair enough. Um, I just want to finish with a note on, uh, we all know the name, Sebastian Holler. Um, a real up-and-down career, spent a bit of time in France, was in the Dutch league at Utrecht, uh, ended up at Frankfurt where he scored a bunch of goals, was found by West Ham. West Ham took him on. He didn't really have much success in the Premier League, I think it's fair to say. Ended up going back down to, I say down to the Dutch league, that's a bit unfair, but he went to the Dutch league with Ajax, scored 32 in 50 games, got himself a big move to Borussia Dortmund. Um Shortly after signing for Dortmund, he was on preseason training and was diagnosed with a malignant testicular tumor um, that needed urgent operating. So he went mm. and had he went and had two surgeries, four cycles of chemotherapy, and mm. um, 
ended up kind of beating it. And he, he, he went back to training in January, joined them at their winter camp. Um, he played the final minutes of a friendly during that winter break. He then scored a hat-trick in a friendly against Basel. And then eventually he came on as a sub uh, in Dortmund's 4-3 win against Augsburg. And then, um, well, that was his competitive debut um, after the six-month cancer battle. And then on the 4th of February, he scored his first professional goal in a 5-1 win against Freiburg. And it was an unreal moment. The crowd was going ballistic for him. The players came from everywhere to hug and join in the celebrations in front of the yellow wall. And uh, I just think that's a great story worth mentioning. That's hectic. That is so, just like you split it up, the personal story, obviously that's a crazy thing to come back from. Um, and it may, as soon as you say like testicular cancer, I start to shuffle uncomfortably in my seat, like, oh my God, that sounds yeah. horrible. Um, and then, but then when you, you know, he comes back through that, scores the goal, great moment. But you look at it from uh, Dorman's point of view, if you can get another striker in there to offset Mkoko this season, uh, you know, you've probably got the firepower now to challenge throughout the rest of the year. Yeah, absolutely. Um, fingers crossed they keep it going because we want this title race to continue. Um, moving on, Club World Cup was a thing. This tournament, I'm not really sure why it exists. It kind of it lingers around. It gets in the way of fixtures. Uh, no one really takes much notice unless you're a fan of the club that's in it. Um, but Real Madrid have won the final 5-3 against Al-Hilal. Uh, Vinny Jr. on the score sheet. I was just watching through the game just before. Uh, this kid, I keep forgetting, he's only 22. He finished last season with 20-odd goals, 10 assists. Um, this season, he's got 14 goals in all comps. Um, this guy, I, I feel like he flies under the radar still a little, Vinny Jr. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I think people might have expected more from him at the World Cup, potentially. Um, and that might be while he's still sitting a little bit under the radar, but you know, he's a good player, scored a winner in a Champions League final already at 22, and he just continues to rise to the occasion for Madrid. So it seems like they have one for the future there. Definitely. Um, I don't... <clears throat> Out of Brazil's wings going into the tournament, was he the one that you were most reliant upon? I, I don't think so. And, like, if you talk about him being underrated, it could be because we haven't seen him in, like, a really groundbreaking moment absolutely no. break a game open and establish himself as a Real Madrid legend. He's obviously got it in him. And I don't, this isn't the moment. The Club World Cup doesn't mean anything. No. Um, there's something about FIFA's advertisement of this game in particular. Like this could be a huge tournament. And it could be something that is worthy of, you know, sending all the, your entire team out there and playing in the middle of the season. But at the moment, it just doesn't carry any weight. And I don't know, is that us? Is that is that just because we don't care? I'm not sure. Do we do we think it needs to be held every season? Okay. What are you thinking? Like, I'm not. I'm not sure. I don't know. Team. I don't know how you get around it because I know it's like the continental winners and stuff. But mm. um, I don't know if we maybe if you maybe have it like every every two or three years, and then you just get the previous three winners all there and make a bigger deal of it. Have like a mini group stage thing. I don't know. Oh, it's not a bad idea. You are depriving. A certain amount of teams of like a preseason and a break though. Yeah, I know. I don't really want more fixtures, but if they want to have this thing, I feel like it should be a bigger deal and not just uh where was it this year? Was it in Saudi Arabia again? It would be. That's Qatar. Yeah, one of them. Whoever's getting something. the next World Cup. It's <laughs> something they're like throw that. they're throwaway fixtures, aren't they? And like we know, Rich Yanks 
equal rich Dowdy. So it's definitely going to be in America soon and it's going to have, you know, absolutely no relevance to any of the teams playing. Maybe that's what it is. They just, they don't host them anywhere where people would care about them. Fair point. Uh, let's move into some top flight English football, if you like, guys. Um, West Ham, Chelsea will kick us off. Uh, Cooper, you watch this one. Yeah, watch this one. Um, Chelsea, I thought, were pretty dominant in the first half. But again, they just look like they, for a team that signed so many attackers and tried so many different things, they just really unfluent in the final third. Um, Felix got on the score sheet, Enzo assist. Enzo was excellent again. He's off to a good start. Um, good for them that Felix is on the score sheet, but it was really poor defending. Um, such an easy goal. Enzo just lofted this little ball over the top of a line and Felix was in acres for some reason. And it was the only time they managed to score in the entire game. And they go, you know, away to West Ham up the road in a derby and they, they come away with only one point again. It's still still probably a panic station time for Chelsea. Mm-hmm. I was going to say, Felix looks like he's going to score goals, but uh, you do have to caveat that with it being West Ham. Uh, he, he had he had two in the net. One was obviously uh, rightfully disallowed in the end, but he it, like I think Sammy alluded to this, they brought him into score goals and it looks like he's going to offer them. He's, he's a sweet finisher. And yeah. if he's going to continue to get into those spaces behind the lines, um, I think, yeah, you're going to, he's going to cause some damage. Yeah, good stuff. I I thought Chelsea were looking excellent in the first twenty minutes or so. They looked like they put, should have been off and away, and then, like you said, Cooper, some pretty comical defending really for for a team like that. Um, and then they're just not good enough to find another goal somehow. They they've got all sorts of problems. We've been over it again and again. We won't do it now. Um, Arsenal played Brentford and dropped more big points at home. Um, there was the drama with the offside. I'm, I'm sure you guys saw this. I wonder what your thoughts are on mm. a mistake well, of this magnitude. I just, was... uh, I think Tommy's going to do the same thing. I'll just, I'll lay the floor for him. Um, if we just touch back to the Chelsea game as well, there was a pretty comical VAR in the Chelsea game as well. Yeah. Um, I know you had a note on it, Tommy. I don't know whether you want to take the floor for both of them, but it was. I was going to say, yeah, the the comical. I mean, it's not comical anymore, isn't it? It's just outright. Well, it's not funny. Mis- it's infuriating, isn't it? It's it's total misinterpretation of the rules. And it's it, we've asked them to try and make it as black and white as possible. So they do that. And then you get a situation like in the West Ham-Chelsea game where <clears throat> Suchek has he's saved the ball. Like, I don't know if you guys know this. Maybe he nominated as like rush goalkeeper for the game. They may have <laughs> introduced this little intricate nuance rule. I'm across it, but more than you are. This, Lunchtime this, football. This is how I am. He gets down. He saves it with his left hand, outstretched left hand. There's no way that you can not say that's handball. The referees have justified no action because, you know, they've said that he's breaking his fall with it, which I can understand. I get why that is in the rule, but you have to assess the situation as it is. He's not, he's gone to ground under his own volition. He's not falling over. Like he has deliberately gone to ground to save the ball. Yeah. Yeah, he's, He's stopped a shot on target with his arm that he's planted there. And this is where we come into the territory where the, if we're going to say, you know, it can't be handball because he's breaking his fall, players that lunge to block a shot are just going to flame their arms out behind them and just, no, nah, I'm breaking my fall. And Exactly. You've got to have more common sense when you're looking at this. I mean, there's you've got three, is it three guys in a room 
who have been involved in the game, played the game, or, you know, have seen enough football matches to realize this guy is not falling down. He has deliberately thrown himself to the floor to block the shot and it's hit his arm. So it's a penalty. And I, I have no joy in wishing Chelsea a penalty. Um, nor do I care that West Ham should get relegated instead of Leeds. It's just a wrong decision. And <clears throat> similarly, in the Arsenal game, how can you how can you come out? You know, it was a Dermot Gallagher that said they didn't draw the lines. How can you not draw every line in a possible offside situation? That's why we wait five minutes for you guys to look at every angle. It's literally, yes. it's literally their job. Yeah, so I can't remember if it was... Uh, if they said it was Lee Mason, was Lee was Mason in the, was in yeah, the bar. and he's forgotten to draw the lines, and so now we're at a point where a system that was brought in to remove human error is still experiencing human error. It's rough with it. That is the most comprehend. bizarre, the most bizarre human error, though, because in the VAR, that is literally your job. You don't have to worry about much else. It's just that. Really, you know, unless yeah. the referee, unless something happens on the pitch, like like an act of violence or something like that, and you've got to check or whatever, or penalty shout, this is like offsides at, at the goals. Every time there's a goal, they're checking everything. And somehow he's missed this. Um, it's It baffles me. Like, is he going to forget to blow the whistle for halftime and the game goes for 100 minutes? Like, <laughs> but I don't well, there understand. Was, there, there was people tweeting online that <laughs> if I went to court because I was caught up in a hit and run, can I just say I forgot to put my foot on the brake? Like, is that is that not the yeah, same? I, I just forgot. It's the same excuse. I forgot. My bad. I'll, I'll bring it back so people don't just think I'm being the salty Arsenal guy. But <laughs> I did mention, I think I mentioned to both of you on Sunday morning that um, Arsenal were, the offside decision aside, Arsenal were probably lucky to get a draw out of this. Brentford were very good. Arsenal were pretty ordinary. Um, Trossard scored for Arsenal, which is a plus. But yeah, that they're not... <laughs> The title challenge is going to be it's going to be interesting if you drop points like that at home to a team like Brentford. No disrespect to Brentford, but if you want to win mm-hmm. Premier Leagues, you've got to beat these teams. Um, but they they maybe, were really good. Maybe we shouldn't disrespect Brentford. They're ten unbeaten in the Prem now. Um, they've taken scalps off all of the Super League six uh, points or wins. Uh, they're having a tremendous season, and they you know they're in that group, that six to eighth group that are better than Chelsea and Liverpool at the moment. That are you know, structurally better, coached more soundly. They've got an understanding of what they are and what they're setting out to try and do. They have a good record against Arsenal as well. And so if you wanted to talk about Arsenal wobbling a little bit, the wheels falling off, you know, maybe you have one game against Dice with the new manager bounce. You have one game against a tricky Brentford opponent. Wouldn't be casting too much doubt just yet. Yeah. Um, I'm going to skip. I know we like to go chronologically, or I like to go chronologically through the, Premier League games, but I'll skip ahead to the City-Villa game now because obviously they're uh, huge title race ramifications. Um, City do go to the Emirates this Thursday morning for the first of two games between those two in the league. Uh, City bounced back after last week's loss and beat Villa 3-1. Back to three points and turning it on. Yeah, yep. it seems it seems to me like Pep's got this one marked down as if we win this one, we're we're probably again the favorite. If we lose it, it could potentially be gone. Um they scored they got themselves three goals in the first half of the game and were three nil up against Villa at half time and Pep with no hesitation had Haaland in the stands as his team came back out at our half time. So he's very much, you know, they were three nil it was go out there, let's get an early lead and then an eye and a half on Thursday morning. 
Mm, I read that he hobbled off with a potential knock, um, and that was why he didn't take the penalty either. Yeah, there was something about that, and um, I, I think Pep kept his cards pretty close to his chest for that one. Tommy, you wanted to talk about the penalty? Uh, I can't fathom how they've decided that there was a penalty in that. That uh, When you talk about clear and obvious errors, I mean, that that's the definition, is it not? Yeah, I think we've said before that they don't seem to be too worried about the clear and obvious error. I think they just think any area, any error, they just consider it to be it's wrong, so they need to fix it. And I'm not sure it was correct in this instance. No, no, I mean, just I don't know. I'm not sure if Cooper saw it, but it's where where exactly is the contact? Is it when Grealish he runs across? across him? You know, but but then you see he initiates his own contact and falls down a step later, and that's the kind of thing that you should be you can narrow that down and pinpoint it on the, the VAR cameras on replay. Yeah. Why are you not seeing that that's, it's just, you can't award that kind of thing a penalty because it, that's a blight on the game, that kind of image. I'm just not a big fan at all of the, you know, players changing their line away from the ball to just run across a defender because they know it's going to bring contact and the defender's mm. just running. He's not trying to foul him. He's not, doing anything wrong it's literally just a coming together what you'd call a racing incident yep <laughs> footballing incident Football uh, the defender exists and he's allowed to be there and i don't think if you just run across in front of him and he clips him while he's just naturally running i'm not sure how that can be a foul yeah it baffles me as well i just there's some of the decisions on the weekend if like you said, like Coop said, VAR was brought in to eliminate human error, but then you realise that there are still humans at the forefront of decision-making. So what we now have is wild conspiracy theories and, you know, and just what a, a, you know, a seemingly misweighted uh, decisions being awarded to certain sides and not. And you just, you just wonder sometimes, don't you? Oh, Tommy's getting his tinfoil <laughs> out. Here we go. It's just All wonder. Right. Well, how about we... I'll go to another refereeing decision from the weekend. Um, Cooper, Wolves beat Southampton 2-1. Southampton continuing their absolute stink. But our man, Jared Gillett, known as the Jaleo Fish on this pod, uh, gave out a red card for a third man coming over to talk to him. Yeah, he whipped a, he whipped a second yellow out for for a third man in in a, in a playing complaint. Um, we've spoken to a, a few people about it, and it seems to be that the the word around the refereeing fucking, I don't know what you call their little gatherings, <laughs> but I don't want to be a part of one of them. Um, <laughs> is, that, is that they'll, they'll cop two blokes at once, but the second or third comes out, they don't like it very much. So yeah. Right. That, that's consent. That's consent. <laughs> it so happened in the, happened in the city game too. Uh, Ruben Diaz got booked for a third man coming in. It's, you know, you got to be able to control yourself. Like you said, you'll you'll cop the blow from the initial guy that's who feels he's been wrong uh, <laughs> wrong done by, it. and then the captain can come in and wave his dick around. Wrong but anybody after that, you can't. Yeah, uh, I don't know. I've I've mixed about this. Like, part of me is like, oh, geez, ref, take a chill pill. But also, like, fuck, I'm sick of seeing players surround referees. You know. And so if this is the answer, just to whip your card out, is this one of those things they've just decided this week that they're going to crack down on it or what? I don't know what they've decided, but I don't think this is the answer because we're going to see a situation where players use their brains now and we're still just going to have two 
two guys running straight at a referee to complain about something. <laughs> I, I said the other day that I think if they're really trying to stop it, just every time a player that's not a captain approaches a referee, just start fucking throwing them around and it'll take a week and a half and people will stop doing yeah. it. I, I can't remember if I mentioned it on here or not, but the Clint Eastwood reference, I think I did last week, but just stand there with the yellow card at your hip. Take one more step, you fuckers. I'm whipping this thing at you. All right. Um, Tottenham. Boy, oh boy, Tottenham. What is going on with these guys? Leicester as well, out of nowhere. Um, Tottenham beat City last week and did Arsenal a favour, and then they go away to Leicester and concede four. Uh, Leicester have now got eight goals in their last two games. Ichianacho scored a nice goal. He's got he's got three goals, four assists this year, and I heard the commentator talking about him having a great season. Uh, those numbers seem... A bit low for halfway through for a striker. Rookie numbers, Kalechi. Yeah, he is still 26, so I guess, I don't know. I don't know. 26 sounds like you're making excuses. I know. I am making excuses for him. It was a nice goal. Mendy scored a really nice goal too. Um, Yeah, what's going on here? Leicester, gee whiz. Gee whiz. It's the uh, Harry Sutar effect, isn't it? Yeah. Two games, two wins, eight goals. Bloody hell. They're frothing him too. They can't believe they've secured a guy like this for 15 million pounds. Yeah, brilliant. Good on him. Uh, full disclosure, Cooper called him Harry Shittar before the pod. Before <laughs> he did as well. Article. He did, didn't he? I don't know why. Are you, are you do I. something? Yeah, I don't Coop, know. It just, would it you just like came to defend out, yourself, man. Cooper? It just came out. Um, I don't know. These things that we say off air that we don't mean. Um, <laughs> that you know, Harry Sutar sucks, and that you know who Russ Bray is. It's been a rough forty-five minutes for me. You, um, you make it sound like there's a lot of skeletons in the night shift closet. It's yeah, we should never well, leak the group chat. I don't know where I'd rather be—the night shift closet or at one of those referee gatherings. But <laughs> neither of them make me feel well. <laughs> Both of them deserve police attention. <laughs> um no i saw a i was having a good laugh because all the like you said all the leicester fans getting around him and i saw this five minute harry suta um highlights package on twitter and it was just every completed pass that he made like even if he <laughs> passed over five yards to the center back alongside him people make these going videos. nuts over every completed pass um that's fandom just, man got himself an assist as well though um but gee whiz, Tottenham, um, I said last week it was bizarre that they were on the brisk of the four and looked, they've beaten City on the on the edge of the four and maybe Conte was wrong about them belonging in seventh or eighth and here I am seven days later feeling again like Conte was probably right about them belonging in seven or eighth. Oh, yeah. Um, I think you could definitely say Brentford, Brighton, Fulham are better than Tottenham this season and it's through just sheer class and quality that they have that they're above them. I said last week that... Tottenham picked a great week to beat City and Newcastle picked a terrible week to drop points and Newcastle probably picked a bad week to drop points again. But Jesus, this feels like, a, I know they got battered, but scoreline aside, feels like a really big missed opportunity for Tottenham. Yeah, definitely. They, they were comprehensively beat though. They were. They didn't offer much. Yeah. In, why'd you say, why do you say though? In that, um, you know, you talk about them having good weeks and bad weeks I don't know that you can come out and beat City one week and then get comprehensively beat by, you know, Leicester, who were relegation candidates five games ago, who are only now just finding their feet under the same manager. You know, they've brought in one or two players that seem to have shifted the dynamic of the team. But for Spurs, this is this is diabolical inconsistency. It's bizarre from these teams. Like I, I remember saying to you last week that 
uh, Liverpool having an insanely un- unsuccessful season, but a responsible for one of City's four losses and Newcastle's only loss. But mm. then we can't beat anyone in the bottom ten. Right. Well, wait your turn. We'll get to you in sec in a sec. Don't you worry. Um, United beat Leeds at Ellen Road. Cooper, you saw this one. These two also met last week in a midweek clash that was. Uh, a little more entertaining than this one, I think. But still, nonetheless, a big three points for United. Rashford on the score sheet again. De Gea had some big moments. Um, who who wants to take the floor on this one? I'll let Cooper have it so Tom doesn't spill <laughs> off. Um, nah, a game that Leeds probably should have won even Ooh. more so than the point that they took earlier in the week. Um they were on top of this game for probably the first half an hour. Somerville should have scored. Um, they should have been one in front. And then at nil-nil, De Gea has passed the ball straight to, I can't even remember who he gave it to, whether it was Nonto or he's passed the ball straight to a Leeds forward and they've spurned another opportunity. They had three or four really, really good chances on, on goal in the first half and probably another one or two before Rashford finally broke the deadlock in the 80th minute and... Uh, Tom messaged saying that this team is an absolute pile of fucking rubble without Marcus Rashford, and <laughs> it's probably probably not too inaccurate. Um, they weren't very good in this game. Uh, Bruno missed a few good opportunities, and and Rashford didn't didn't get much service, but it only took one chance for him to to do the job for United again. It's the it's the class edge again, and it's it's what happens when a top three team plays a bottom three team. And that you can have all these good moments and you can look sound and secure in the game. And then you get like a world-class player like Marcus Rashford, who has scored what, 13 goals in 15 since the World Cup break, which is insane record. And that's why I wholeheartedly believe you take him out of this uh, make red side. They're somewhere between Chelsea and Liverpool. Like these guys are not, they're not fun to watch as a neutral, number one. And twice now Leeds have played them in a week and twice, you know, in an alternate universe where good things happen to me Leeds get six points you have Rashford out for three months instead of Rodrigo and you know it's a different it's a different ball game yeah um just touching back on Rashford's season again and how how good it's been he's up to 12 goals in the Premier League and I was having a look at this earlier and I just wanted to touch on Erling Haaland again and we speak about the effect that he has on the Premier League um, I don't know if anyone's even bothered to look at the Golden Boot race or standings this year because he's just so monumentally far ahead. But if he wasn't in this league, the conversation around this would probably be quite large because Kane's three goals clear at the top without him there. But you then go Tony, Rashford, Mitrovic, Almiron, Rodrigo as the other players in the Premier League in double figures. And it is a bizarre batch of players to have behind him. I don't think it's bizarre at all. I think it's totally reflective of... Well, when you talk about Mitro and Tony, that's reflective of how good a season Brentford and Fulham are having. Harry Kane and Rashford are superstars. And then Almiron is probably the only one that's bolted from the blue. Rodrigo. Um, Rodrigo on 10 goals was the one that got to me. Rodrigo, he had them before the World Cup, didn't he? Lead supporters cannot stand him. There's a section of lead supporters that can't stand him yet. I think the problem was Bielsa brought him in. They tried to play him attacking midfield. He's a striker, so play him as a striker. But when you've got Patrick Bamford, he plays second fiddle and it's a complicated situation. Yeah. When he plays, he scores goals. And he did, he scored a couple since the World Cup. It's unfortunate that he got injured. Um, otherwise, I think he would still be banging them in. But that's just that was reminiscent of Marsh 
playing very narrow through the middle and that gave goals to the striker rather than the wingers. Cool. Um, by the time people hear this, Everton will probably have played Everton... Uh, Everton. Liverpool will probably have played Everton in the Merseyside Derby at Anfield. Um, Tuesday morning, 6am kickoff. You're getting up for it, Coop? Uh, yeah, it's just before I get up to go to uni anyway, so I'll probably have a look. I don't know why. I'd Are you excited for it, though? The extra two hours sleep. Well, Sammy saying Everton playing against Everton is probably reminiscent of the season that Liverpool are having. I'm going to get up at 6.30 and watch two teams of that standard go at each yeah. other for 90 minutes. <laughs> and they were really unlucky not to beat us in a derby at the start of the season, and I would not be shocked, given they're even more defensively sound now, if they do get us in the morning. Please, for the love of God, take three points off Everton. All I ask of you, Coop, please. Yeah, I'm I'm going to throw out a 3-0. I reckon Liverpool roll them. Ooh. And then the, the Dice thing wears off straight away. That might be more hopeful than real. I just can't stand Dice. And, uh, please, please send them send them packing. Um, Arsenal it's then plays City spot. Thursday morning. Um, the reason I mention it is it's part of the same fantasy week, um, this game, <laughs> of which... You've somehow looked directly at me. Have I? Oh, well, there you go. Um, Isaiah, Isaiah Mount this week is our top scorer in the league, um, but we still have, obviously, a couple of games to play. Um, he got 61, and the league leader is still Ryan Mitchell, fourth-place trophy. They sit top. So it's all it's all tightening up. It's all tightening up. Very it's all to stuff. play for. You want the NSF trophy, I'm telling you. Any predictions on the um, Arsenal-City game later in the week at the Emirates? Arsenal 3-1. Don't do it to me. Cooper. I'm going to go 1-0 draw. Ooh, I'm going 2-0 draw. I reckon it'll be a cracker. Um, These two managers have both shown that they're they're happy to attack each other still, which makes for good football, I think. Um, Champions League comes back this week. We'll just do some quick predictions for this. Uh, Milan Spurs is the first one at the San Siro. Oh, what do we reckon? Oh, it's going to be gross. This is... Yeah, it's shaping up to be an absolute stinker. I'll be up for it, but um, I'm sure most people will have eyes on PSG v Bayern instead. But just quickly, predictions for Milan Spurs? Uh, 1-0 Milan. Yeah, it's got either nil or draw or 4-3 Milan written all over it. 1-0 home side. I think Spurs bounce back away and Milan are not very good. I know Spurs aren't very good, but... Spurs have still have the firepower to go and just mm. walk over a Milan defense that's been really, really poor lately. They there's got clean, that they got a clean sheet on the weekend, but yeah, there's that. But Bentinkur is now out for six or seven months, and they can't. If you can't get it out of midfield, you're not going to give it to your strikers. I just, I don't know. This to me, it feels like one nil home team. They should be able to lock this down and score a goal on the break somewhere. Fair enough. PSG Bayern. No, oh, it's a lottery. Coop, what do you reckon? I think PSG get it done. I'm going to go PSG three one, three one at home. All right. Um, I'm taking, I'm taking a one all draw in this one. Mm, we were going to lay shit on PSG for losing on the weekend, but it's definitely in preparation for this fixture. This is where you know a, a tight title race in the Bundesliga could come back to negatively affect uh, Bayern Munich. Tough draw. You would they would be hoping for a draw to come away with score draw or whatever. Yeah, they're, they're probably also fancying their chances as well. Both these t- both these teams so used to winning that they could see themselves beating the other. Uh, Thursday morning, uh, Borussia Dortmund host Chelsea. Have no idea what to make of this because Dortmund are an absolute roller coaster, and Chelsea uh, look okay on paper, but they're pretty shit. <laughs> they are shit. 
Let's just let's just put it out there. They're not a good team. They're not fun. They're not to watch. good. They're not. Yeah, they haven't clicked yet, and they're saying it's a project. Well, that remains to be seen. I would be back in Dortmund in here. They have won their last five in the league. Uh, that's way better form than Chelsea can carry into this game. Mm, any any scores? Two nil. Two nil Dortmund. Very good. Yeah, um, I'm with you. I'm going to go to Dortmund as well. Um, I think they'll probably come out full strength. They've got Hertha in the league the following weekend, who are a strong relegation candidate. Um, so I think they'll be strong enough at home to get the job done. Cool. I'm going Dortmund 3-1 or maybe 3-2. I can see there being goals. Um, yeah, but- if you've got Slotterman at the back, you're definitely prone. <laughs> yeah. The last one is Club Brugge. Versus uh, Benfica. Oh, random. Yeah, it's probably the least least viewed one of this round, but who knows? This would be a classic NSF vibe-based prediction. And let's go, because I think I wrote off the Portuguese teams last season. So let's go Benfica away win. Honestly, what the fuck would any of us know about Benfica <laughs> or Club Brugge? We'd all be talking out our ass. I'm going to go <laughs> with Benfica. 3-2 uh, th- Bruges, Matt Ryan, Hattrick. Interesting, you've gone with the bruise there. There's a style guide. We have a pronunciation guide. <laughs> You're gonna upset all the Belgian exports, man. Come on. I'm I'm confident that is it is the most common mispronounced team name, city, whatever you want to call it. Ever. I'm 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 look, also... I don't know. I you will have to look it up, but I'm ninety percent sure it's pronounced Brugge. I'm pretty confident that I don't give a fuck either. So, <laughs> wow, that's uh, Paris Shittar, and now this. There that was is something the commi- last week as well. That's the commitment to standards that we ask for and we follow through on. He's, he's come podcast. onto a football pod and said, "I don't really give a Look, fuck about." You know what it is? It's team. that um, our mate from heaps about nothing, Todd, said during the week that um, he wasn't enjoying how many stats and proper information that I brought to this podcast and then I needed to go back to That's the what we got you for. shit to fit in. So I thought I'd throw a few sprinkles of dust in there for him this week. Yeah, like Bruges and then I don't give a fuck. He's right, the anti-Lucy nice. Zelich. I'm not in for this. Yeah, it's weird. It's weird. I don't know about your future with us, Coop. He's All right. come here with an attitude, Sammy. I think that's it for this week. Good stuff. Um, God, there's so much happening this week. I can't wait for it. Uh, between the derbies, the the Champions League fixtures, Arsenal City going to be huge. And then next week, it just keeps going. Napoli come back into the Champions League. Liverpool, Real Madrid is a weird kind of weird fixture that will be happening as well. We'll get to it. We'll get to it. There's heaps. All right. Thanks for listening, guys. Uh, keep getting around us on the socials. Keep listening to the pod. Share it with your mates. And uh, have a good one, folks. Thank you, everybody.